Welcome to the Bill Bennett Show. It's the podcast that translates President Donald Trump. We have a simultaneous translation going on right now. One side of the moon and the other side of the moon. <laughs> right. I mean, it is... People are looking at this picture, and it's like, what was that dress that some people saw pink and other people saw yeah, blue? Yeah, something like that, right. People are looking at this transcript of this uh, conversation right. with the president of Ukraine and seeing totally opposite things. We'll get into that. I imagine you'll talk about that today. I think we will. Which is good, because I, I think I need you to translate some things I, for me. Cause I, I think we will, <laughs> and I think we should. And we welcome listener comments. Yes. By all means. Bill Bennett Podcast at gmail.com. That's how they send them? Yes. Send emails. To? To Bill Bennett Podcast at gmail.com. I just wanted you to do it again. We take a look at the current administration, along with everybody else, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we address the existential threats to America. Uh, John Hinderocker, lawyer, power line guy, he'll join us today. I want to talk to him a little bit about Minneapolis-St. Paul, too. Mm-hmm situation there with law enforcement, police, and so on. He's one of the founders of Powerline, and he's the president of the Center of the American Experiment, which is a great organization out there. Uh, but uh, a couple thoughts here, and then we'll get the benefit of John Hinderocker. Um, I, I don't know. There's a lot here to say about this impeachment business and, and this transcript. But let me just start by saying, isn't it bewildering that before anybody saw the transcript, Nancy Pelosi caved, basically, or we'll say agreed to go ahead on the hearings leading toward, you know, the recommendation of impeachment, which, of course, they will, mm-hmm. uh, but give these committees, you know, uh, hearings uh, as to whether to go ahead with impeachment before the transcript was anybody had read it, made right. public. It's extraordinary to me. Before the facts were in, go ahead and make the judgment. I mean, she was holding out, I thought, sort of valiantly. Not, uh, you know, pushing for it, saying be careful. And she, you know, it it may, it may have been imprudent. I, I don't see the case. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it with uh, with John Hinderocker. But, um, you know, president has this conversation with uh, Ukraine president and says some things and there's no clear quid pro quo. And, but he says, you know, you look into this uh, attorney general and the guy being fired because of Biden and, well, you know, that was a political – I don't know if that it was. It could have been pursuant to some inquiry uh, going on in the United States about election interference, as the president suggested. Uh, we'll, we'll get into this in more detail. But it just strikes me as the Democrats are just so obsessed with getting the president. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll sort of grab at anything. Right. And this is the latest collusion. Well, with an election, actually, what a, a year away, uh-huh, year. the quickest more than a year. way to get him out of yeah, a little more than a year. The quickest way to get him out of office is just to win the election, right? Because I mean, like you said, Pelosi holding on um, to not move forward with impeachment so long, so now moving forward with it, it's interesting. Six committees to investigate, right? That's going to take a long time. Yeah, let's let's ask Kinderocker what that schedule will be, but it will not be quick, right? Will not be quick. There's no way this is even done before the election. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, of course, this also forces the hand of every candidate mm-hmm. on the Democrat side. They all have to be for impeachment now. Right. Most of them are. But uh, it hurts Biden because mm-hmm. his name is always the second name mentioned here. And he bragged about the fact that he held back money to Ukraine uh, until, you know, this uh, prosecutor was fired who was going after his son. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, that's 
I, I don't think this will turn out to be good for the for the Democrats. I really don't. We'll talk to Andrew Ocker about it. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Bill Bennett Show. It's time to jump in with John Hinderocker. He is one of the founders of Powerline, and he's the president of the Center of the American Experiment. John, thank you for your time today. So Always happy to do it. So I've been reading you guys. We always read Powerline and watching 24-7 television. My gosh, <laughs> there's only one thing going on in America. Before we get to that, though... Can you fill me in on what's going on in Minneapolis, St. Paul? Uh, maybe it's just one of the two twin cities with law enforcement and uh, public. Uh, wow, crime. that's a great question, Bill. You Jeez. know, um, it's happening in both cities. First of all, Minneapolis and St. Paul, uh, crime is up, violent crime is up, homicide is up, and people in both cities are very concerned about it. It's gotten a lot of attention, um, and and it's interesting because. Uh, it, Minneapolis, especially, it's true of St. Paul too, but but Minneapolis is a little higher profile and and is the classic of liberal governance. And we have a city council in Minneapolis uh, that is really anti-police. That, that buy into this insane idea that police are the great threat to um, to minority uh, citizens. And of course, the minority citizens are clamoring for more police. You know? of course, of course. And, and one of the things that brought it to a head is that um, there was a video uh, made, and I think I think it was on one of these you know surveillance cameras that runs all the time. But That's what it I got saw, made I think, public. yeah, 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 it got made public. It was played on a local TV station. And it went viral nationally and internationally. I don't know how many people have seen it. But it happens in broad daylight, and it happens right outside the entrance to uh, Target Field, the Minnesota Twins Stadium in downtown Minneapolis. And there's one guy who's kind of sitting on the curb, and I don't know if he's been drinking or what's going on, but he seems like he's not entirely with it. And then these, I don't know, 8, 10, 12, 14 uh, teenagers probably, maybe some of them are adults, some juveniles, but somewhere in that kind of borderline age range, attack this guy and they uh, beat him up. Uh, they pull his pants off. They steal some things from him. They beat him just viciously and mercilessly. And at the end, as he's tries, he's struggling to get up, a guy rides his bicycle right over him. And that's the end of the video. It's really shocking. Although if you, if you live in this area, it's not all that surprising. And so in today's Minneapolis Star Tribune, uh, representatives of the four professional sports teams that have stadiums or arenas in downtown Minneapolis co-authored an op-ed in, in, in the Star Tribune editorial pages asking the city of Minneapolis to beef up law enforcement and go along with the mayor's request as a, as a down payment for 14 more uh, street officers. Now, the chief of police says he wants 400 more over a period of time, not all at once. Wow. So 14 is at least a start. But yeah, it's, uh, and, 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 and in the news, there was a classic comment from uh, one of the members of the Minneapolis City Council talking about, you know, the violence that's been increasing and the need for something, I can't quote it exactly off the top of my head, but something about the need for more programs to serve the needs of young people who are downtown between 9 p.m. and 4 a.m. 
<laughs> Midnight basketball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, I don't think serving the needs of the young people who are roaming the streets at 4 a.m. is exactly what the citizens have in mind. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Uh, are people uh, first in, in that incident, was it racial? Well, in the sense that the guy, the victim was white and the perpetrators were all black in that sense. Well, that's racial. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's that's the immediate guess. Uh, have people commented on that aspect? I'm sure somebody has, <laughs> Bill. You know, in general, people just assiduously avoid mentioning the obvious. Okay, you know? yeah, yeah, I understand. Uh, okay. if you, yeah. you know, if you were to line up all the perpetrators on one side of the room and all the victims on the other side in this spate of violence that we've had in the last six months, mm-hmm. say, in Minneapolis and St. Paul, you'd see a pretty obvious correlation there. Uh, you know, and some people have speculated that, you know, some of the, a lot of the violence uh, is, is kind of quasi-robbery related. Like, a guy gets beaten up or he gets shot and, and somebody steals his watch. Well, I think, you, you know, some people... People uh, have have said that, look, this is not really a crime that was committed for the watch. You know, there's something else going sure, on here. Sure, sure. You know, there's something else going on here. And some people think that, the you know, the race hatred that we've seen stirred up deliberately for political purposes in recent years could be a factor. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I think you need to address people need to talk about the race thing in order to get beyond the race thing, because I think if you. You look closely, you'll you'll see it's disproportionately uh, African American, but that's because not because people are African American, but because of the breakdown of the family, and the breakdown of the family is occurring everywhere, but more uh, in the African American community. I mean, I, I, but people refuse to talk about that when they talk about problems of the inner city. You know, uh, yeah, that's male. an old old story, Bill. And as you know, my predecessor, Mitch Perlstein, along with you yeah, and a number of yeah. other brave people, going back for decades, were were talking about that when a lot of people were afraid to talk about it. And that is clearly still a big part of the story, no doubt about it. I, I think, but I think when you talk about why has there been a spike recently, uh, there's some other things going on too. You know, uh, so it's a. It's a complicated. Well, there's picture. the encouragement. There's the encouragement of, uh, of, of of racial antagonism. There's no question. Well, here, Bill, this is a, a fact that I wrote about on Powerline, and I haven't really seen anybody else talk about it. If you look at the FBI homicide statistics and you chart the graph, um, there was a steady decline from the peak in the mid 1990s uh, during the Clinton, Clinton administration. Um, it's been, the, the homicide rates were going down, 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 down to about half of what it was at the peak, yeah. just slightly over half. Yeah. Well, then all of a sudden, that consistent downward trajectory was reversed in the last two years of the Obama administration. And there was an upward spike for those two years. And then in the first year of the Trump administration, the downward trend continued again. Now, it really jumps out at you if you look at the graph. And so I asked myself, well, what could possibly explain that that kind of unexpected um, reversal of of the of the positive trend in homicide rate, I think the answer is the Black Lives Matter movement and the embrace of the Black Lives Matter movement by the Obama administration, which basically amounted to a war against law enforcement. 
And it's really interesting that in the first year of the Trump administration, um, which is the last year I've seen FBI data for, sure enough, that that decline, the long-term decline in the homicide rate uh, resumed again. By my calculation, my just very simple calculation, about 5,000 people lost their lives as a result of that two-year spike in the homicide rate. A lot of I, don't, I, don't hear, I don't hear anybody talking about it. Yeah, no, these things matter. What's said, what's in the air, the ethos uh, matters. What you think you have permission or even encouragement to do matters. Uh, obviously, these four uh, team owners, it, was it four team owners that you said? Yeah, um, we have representatives of the four okay, franchises. Okay, yeah. uh, are concerned about people going out and going to games. Uh, are, are, people, are citizens more cherry about uh, going out? In the, being in the city, I don't, I don't know, Bill. You know, I'll, I'll just tell you a quick anecdote. Uh, my wife and I, and uh, one of our daughters and her fiance, went to a Twins game a couple of weeks ago. I think it was a Saturday night, and it took forever to get out of the ramp near, right, right, you know, right adjacent to the stadium. And when we finally got, I couldn't figure out what was going on. When we finally got to the bottom, there was yellow tape all around, and there was a police officer waving everybody to kind of go the wrong way through the ramp on the ground floor out in a different direction. And it was slow enough that I just rolled down my window and I called out to the officer and said, hey, officer, what's happening? And he kind of waved behind him and said, shooting. So, you know, that yeah. night there was a yeah. shooting within yeah. 100 yards of the stadium. There, there was a gang rumble of some sort in which a person was critically injured, Masons have died, right outside the entrance to the Minnesota State Fair, the great kind of, you know, uh, iconic Minnesota event that all the families go to. It I've was been there. It was a closing. I've, I've been there. Yeah, you've been there, Bill. Yeah, <laughs> I was on your show there once That's years right. ago at like 6 o'clock in That's the morning. Right. It was so dark. Not so dark that I couldn't have something on a stick going. <laughs> Yeah. Whatever it was, right. go, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's the last night of the fair. It's closing time. Thousands, tens of thousands of people are streaming out, and within a block of the gate, you know, where people are coming out, there's a, a kind of a gang rumble going on. A woman gets run over by a car on purpose, apparently, and and, I, and was critically injured. May have died since. Others are injured. Shots are fired. Fairgoers are running for their lives. Uh, police come, ambulances come, people are taken, they're taken to the same hospital and the, the family members, as they're described, follow them to the hospital and they start fighting at the hospital. You know, <laughs> the, the battle oh, yeah. resumes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, the point is these things are striking very close to home and I could only imagine if I'm the general manager of the Minnesota Twins and I don't know how many millions of people have, have seen this video of this vicious beating taking place right outside the entrance to my stadium, I'd go nuts. Yeah, and I just, just, I'm, I'm wondering, would you have a second thought or more hesitation about taking your daughter and fiance and wife to a game the next time? I don't think so. Um, for you, uh, you know, for you. Uh, not, not, not for me. I, I can imagine some people might. I'll tell you one thing, though. You know, the, the traditional well, you're entertainment. Tough. You're tough. You're a tough Minneapolis. guy. You're a tough guy. Well, I pretend to be anyway, but you know, I would not take one of my daughters walking down the street on Hennepin Avenue, you know, the city's yeah, traditional entertainment yeah, district. Yeah. That would be at worst taking your life in your hands and at best an unpleasant experience. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too, because, you know, you, you've talked about the unwillingness to talk about certain things. Certain things cannot be brought up in the context of crime and inner city violence and so on. And, you know, I, we were reminded the other week on the show, we were talking 
too, and about Heather McDonald's stuff, and I know you've seen it out of the Manhattan Institute. I think the number stuck in my head, 143 people killed in these mass shootings this year. All the attention on that, and, uh, you know, attention should be paid, obviously. Meanwhile, the number of people killed, if you will, one at a time in Chicago dwarfs that, and the number of people killed, you know, in, with, with handguns, uh, you know, all around the country in Minneapolis, Chicago, New York, Washington here, 15,000. And, you know, that, that gets no attention. 143 to 15,000. Because uh, no, it's it's perverse, Bill. You know, the rifle is the least popular murder weapon for reasons that are really pretty obvious. It's hard to carry a rifle around on the street. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. So, so there are more people killed with shotguns even than rifles. There yeah. are twice as many people. Uh, there, are, there are way more people killed with knives, with with yeah. blunt objects, and with bare hands than there are with rifles. Yeah. So all this insanity about banning certain semi-automatic rifles, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Any husbands killed with rolling pins these days, or is, is that just too old? <laughs> I think it's more of a sitcom or cartoon oh, phenomenon, yes. but I'll, I wouldn't be surprised if it's happened. I'm though. showing my age. I haven't seen a rolling pin. I don't think we have one around here. I'll ask Mrs. Bennett anyway. I'm trying to get a happy ending to this story. Well, my gosh, persevere there, but goodness gracious, that, that's horrible. It's just a horrible story. And, um, you know, it would discourage me from going out. I mean, I, I, I stopped going to games uh, in um, in Boston uh, because the only thing I could afford was the uh, the bleacher seats, you know, and the, the, by the Green Monster. And, you know, I'd bring a date, and people were just so foul. You know, language was just so foul. People get so stinking drunk. Just stop doing that. You know, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I'd it's go with a group of guys, but I wouldn't go with a date. Right. It's an example of the decline of our culture, the decline of our civilization, yeah, the yeah, decline of yeah. any kind of standard of behavior. There's no standard now. If it's not a felony, it's okay. It's basically the, the rule of thumb. You know what I mean? So there's, 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 you can't, you know, it used to be if a guy cuffed in public, he'd, he'd draw a couple of dirty looks from respectable people. Well, now if you give that guy a dirty look, he's likely to pull out a knife, you know. Yeah. And, and the whole idea that there's some standard of behavior that people should adhere to is just almost gone. Yeah, I remember years ago it was an issue. Now I don't think it is an issue. You pull up a stoplight and the guy next to you is blasting his, you know, his automobile, you know, stereo at full volume. Uh, you know, do you say anything? I don't think anybody says anything anymore. I do. No. I do. And, really? Uh, yeah, my, you are a brave man. Bill. Well, I usually do with my sons who are really big guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, right. But I, I just can't stand, I just think it's so outrageous. You know, think about other people. But I don't know. I don't know. You know, uh, it reminds me, John, when I became the drug czar, first drug czar, I went to Detroit, and it was the day that uh, D.C. passed Detroit as number one in murder in the country. And when I got there, it's the first thing the chief of police said to me. Uh, you know, you've been, uh, you, you're in the wrong city. You should have stayed in Washington. You don't have to come out here. But I remember on that visit, I, I talked to a judge, and I'll never forget what he said. Uh, I said, you know, how do you figure out sentencing? And he talked about it. And then he said, you know, I, I say, I say to these guys, young man, didn't anyone ever teach you the difference between right and wrong? And he said, you know, they look at me and they go, no, sir. And you know, Mr. Bennett, I believe him. And I believe, I believe yeah. him. I believe, I believe that's right. And that's part of that. Yeah. You know, yeah. where, where are the guardrails? You know, where are the guardrails? This is the schools, the families. Anyway, 
All right. Well, well, one of the things that we have conclusively proved, Bill, is that the police department and the public schools cannot replace the family. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But when the public schools and many of them go absolutely against what parents are trying to teach. You know, when I did this survey as secretary, we found out that the reason most parents wanted to leave the school was not because not academic. It was social. You know? Yeah. Remember one parent said to me, he came home after a week of public school saying words that, you know, we don't say in our house. So yeah. anyway, anyway, yeah. another another story. Let's go to a happier subject. Let's go to politics in our time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's lift. Let's get some lift in this conversation. <laughs> okay. Well, so we are going out to a lighter topic, Bill, honestly. I know it's not murder, not yet. That's right. Uh so uh I guess they can impeach Donald Trump on this. They can impeach on whatever they want. Isn't this like a grand jury indicting a ham sandwich? If they say we're going to go do impeach him and they can get enough votes, they can impeach him. Yeah, but impeachment is a political act. They can impeach right. for anything or nothing. Right. Now, the Constitution has a standard, you know, high crimes or misdemeanors, and somebody's going to have to explain what the heck the high crime was. Or know? misdemeanor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I don't think they mean speeding. You know, I, I okay. think the word has a yeah. different a different significance in the in the Constitution. But you know, bro, as you know, I, I wrote about this on Powerline. As soon as that transcript came out, I read it and I and I I, I walked through it on Powerline and I quoted from it liberally. Donald Trump did not do anything wrong. I mean, you know, you can't be too clear about that. There is nothing in that conversation that is in any way uh, a discredit to the president, let alone an impeachable offense. Well, a lot of people are saying he was he was ham handed. He shouldn't have said, do me a favor, stuff like that. Would you would you? Well, he said, do me a favor um, about uh, asking uh, them to help in the investigation of the so-called meddling in the 2016 election. And I didn't even know this, Bill, but apparently it wasn't just Russia. Apparently Ukraine had a role in that as well. And and that there is some investigation here going on specifically with respect to Ukraine and the 2016, 2016 yeah. election. That's what he was talking about as the favor. And he talked about the server now being in Ukraine. And it's kind of cryptic. If you don't know this right. already, and I didn't know it, right. it's kind of hard to follow. But apparently that famous DNC server that they would not let the FBI inspect it sounds like that may now be in Ukraine. So that's what Donald Trump asked the favor about. It had nothing to do with Joe Biden. But Joe, he does bring up Joe Biden, or I guess the other guy brings up Joe Biden. The other guy, the other guy brings up investigations, and and they have a dialogue about that, and um, uh, and 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 then and then Trump talks about the prosecutor. You know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're going to pursue investigations because I heard you had a prosecutor who was very good. He was shut down. That's really unfair. A lot of people are talking about that. And then there's one sentence. There's one sentence where he mentions Biden, uh, and, and and they talk about that a little bit. But it, it, although Trump never mentions Biden again. But so what, Bill? There is nothing wrong with that. There's even if even if Trump had called him on the phone and all he had said without all this other stuff, all this context. And by the way, it's a very friendly conversation. Really, really friendly. One of the things going on here is that the prior Ukraine administration was very friendly to the Obama administration. And this guy is is more in tune with the Trump administration. And the conversation begins with, with him thanking Trump 
for all of the support that Ukraine is getting from the United States and, and contrasting that with the lack of support from uh, from Europe. But 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 even if Trump had just called him on the phone and said, hey, look, you know, there was this investigation into the Biden family and the prosecutor that was doing it got fired because Biden demanded that he be fired. I think you should restart that prosecution. Even if that was the exchange, there is nothing wrong with that. Wouldn't he be take, trying to take down an opponent using a foreign power? Isn't that no. a- no, no, no. I mean, this is a this is a corrupt deal. Okay. This is a great example of the swamp that that okay. uh, Donald Trump was sent to Washington to try to drain. Here's Hunter Biden, basically kind of a no good Nick son of, of the then vice yeah. president of the United States. And he gets hired on a very part time basis. I mean, God only knows what services, if any, he provided. He gets hired for three million dollars. a year for five years by this Ukrainian natural gas company. I've never heard anyone try to explain what possible use he could be to a Ukrainian natural gas company. And I think the only reasonable inference is that these people are trying to to buy influence in the Obama administration. And then when there's a prosecutor who's doing a corruption investigation into that natural gas company, Joe Biden demands that he be fired and threatens to withhold a billion dollars in American loan guarantees if they don't fire that prosecutor. Now, how's that for meddling in a foreign country? I mean, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, this, this is corruption both in Ukraine and in the United States. And, Bill, I've written about this on Powerline, as you may know, but we see it yep. over and over again. Guys like Joe Biden, who their entire adult life, he got elected to the Senate when he was 29, right? Their, his, his entire adult life, he has been working for, for the modest salary of a public employee, and he retires rich. You know, same thing, uh, yep. Harry Reid. Uh, never did a thing but work for the government, retires rich. Yep. Uh, Tom Daschle, you know, lifelong so-called public servant, retires rich. How does that happen? Well, this is how it happens. They sell yeah. influence. Yeah, yeah. Peter Schweitzer has been very good in documenting that and a number That's of right. his books. He's done, he's done a really right. good job. A couple of things struck me. Um, by the way, I, I, one could argue that by looking into this thing with Biden, it hurts Biden, and therefore Biden is weakened as a candidate, and so arguing kind of backwards, that helps Trump. Is that sort of what the Democrats are arguing? It's hard to say what they're arguing, okay. Bill. I mean, yeah. they could say that, but so what? I mean, the president is, is disabled from doing anything that might have the indirect uh, impact of, of, of hurting a political rival. My Lord, if we have that rule, <laughs> presidents could knock off early for the day. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, it seemed to me odd, too, with Pelosi. This is all very odd to me uh, it's so odd uh, they're, 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 what's odd to me is they are so confident now they are so full of themselves they are so full in, of, of conviction on this that Nancy Pelosi just one example who was you know holding back the tide here for impeachment for quite a while says okay we'll go ahead and give it to the committees to look into whether you know we should go with impeachment before they even saw the transcript I don't know. Yeah, that's really interesting, Bill. You know, um, this whole thing was orchestrated. It was not just, uh, you know, on a kind of a four-hour leash, Nancy Pelosi decided to change her mind. This was orchestrated across the entire Democratic Party. And the reason I say that is because I get emails from everybody on both sides of the aisle. 
And within, I don't know, an hour or two after Nancy Pelosi uh, said that, that she's given the green light to these committees, I started getting emails from Democratic politicians. A woman named Angie Craig, who is my congresswoman. Uh, Keith Ellison, whom I'm sure you remember, now the sure. Attorney General of Minnesota. Sure. And these emails have all got the same talking points. They're all talking about Trump shredding the Constitution and so on, colluding with a foreign power, and and he's got to be impeached. And it's not just we're going to open an investigation, blah, blah, blah. It's uh, he absolutely must be impeached. And, and, and I don't think this all happened, you know, spontaneously. I think that this was an orchestrated, planned, uh, it was a decision that was made some time ago. I don't mean a month ago, but some days ago. And it was implemented, uh, beginning with that announcement by Nancy Pelosi. I don't think that they knew or they expected that Trump would react immediately by making the transcript public. Yeah. I think they were taken a little bit by surprise. And, of course, they didn't know it was in the transcript, right? They, they didn't know. So, Have they thought this through? They're, they're, I don't know. They're not going to remove him from office. Uh, no, I, I think they just want to see as many headlines as possible that have the name but, Trump or the word impeachment in the headline. I think if that's you go, basically If it. you go to an impeachment hearing, or is it a trial? Is it a trial or a hearing? What's it called? When yeah, the, it's a trial. When yeah, the Supreme trial, Court, not- when, the, when the chief goes, puts the robes on, I remember Rehnquist. Um, it's the, I mean, it's a pretty easy case to defend the president, as you just did, isn't it? You're a lawyer. <laughs> it's really easy. I mean, I mean, it's not overwhelming thing, evidence. You know, this whole thing, if it weren't serious, it would it would be funny. I mean, these people, they talk about has violated the Constitution, shredded the Constitution, which Joe Biden had the nerve to say, by the way. Wait a minute. Time out. He's shredding the Constitution by having this innocuous telephone conversation with the president of Ukraine. Tell me what article and what section or what paragraph he's violating. I mean, there's yeah. no answer to that question. Yeah. What on earth are they talking about? Yeah, and I know today they, you know, keep me very close to making more enemies of uh, decent people in the middle by going after this career Navy SEAL who's uh, – head of the defense intelligence now. Uh, they were very careful to thank him for his, his service. But, you know, I, 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 you know by, Bill, can we just interject? Yes, there? You, you, you've seen this, this insane thing by Adam Schiff, who's a total yeah. nutcase. So, so he gets up there in this hearing and he starts purporting to quote from, or, or maybe it's summarized. It's a little hard to tell. He starts out quoting, but then he just goes off on this riff, characterizing the, the, the phone conversation that Trump supposedly had with Zelensky of the Ukraine and all this stuff, attributing all these statements to Trump about I seven times I tell you and you, you know, you won't get a dollar until you do this. And, you know, blah, blah, all this stuff, which Trump didn't say. I mean, it's absurd. And and so he, he got some pushback from that. And then eventually he said, well, it was a parody, right? A parody, whatever that means. But But it's revealing for this reason, Bill. If Trump had actually said the things that Schiff quoted him falsely as saying, they might have something to talk about. It still wouldn't be impeachable, but it would be, you know, it would be something that they could talk about. But the fact that he can't quote what Trump actually said, and instead has to make up this whole fantasy conversation, shows that these guys are just fishing in a dry pond. Meanwhile, there's this plain as day comment by joe biden about you know i told them you know you want the money you better drop this thing 
he had a billion dollars in loan guarantees. I want that prosecutor fired. And he was proud of it. It's, it's really just extraordinary. Bill, I, I keep, to me, these are, you remember in the cartoons of, of yesteryear that you and I both grew up watching, you know how, how sometimes the cartoon character would approach the edge of a cliff? And he'd come to the edge of the cliff and, and keep walking for a while on the air. Yeah. And then he'd look down and realize he's, he's, left, he's left the ground behind and now, boom, he'll fall down. I was just you thinking know, of I, Wiley Coyote and, and what's his name? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I mean, I, 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 I feel like that. I feel like the Democrats are hanging out there like that. And I keep, I keep waiting for them to, to, to drop. It's like, the, it's like they have left reality completely in the rearview mirror. And at some point, uh, it's got to come back to, to bite them. I was thinking of, because some of my favorite music is uh, Les Mis. I don't know if you saw Les Mis, but, um, uh, you know, John Valjean and Jovert and all, and Jovert is just on a tear all his life. Mm-hmm. To get this perfectly decent guy, Jean Valjean, you know, uh, and he finally ends up destroying himself, walking off the cliff. But then I thought, yeah, that's too serious. It's more like uh, Roadrunner and, and Wiley Coyote. I mean, it's just it's kind of nuts. Let's let's tease this out. Let's tease this out. If, if these committees will come back, and my guess is they're going to recommend impeachment. What do you think, John? Yeah. I think they have to. No, yeah, when I look yeah. at these emails I'm getting from Democratic politicians, yeah. they're not saying, you know, this deserves a serious investigation. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're saying Let's roll. Trump has yeah. done this, this reciting just falsehoods, colluded with a foreign power, et cetera. Uh, okay. He must be impeached. That's what okay, saying. so they come back and then they, they get an impeachment trial, and that's what, December? I don't know what the timing is going to be. I, mean, I, I assume they'll try to time it. You know, they control the House, right? And Mitch McConnell controls the Senate. And we, we don't go through after these impeachment proceedings to have a real clear memory of how they how they unfold. There's been one in our lifetimes, right? Uh, I guess Nixon got partway into it. Wouldn't it just be easier and maybe quicker to just beat him in an election? I mean, who? You know, <laughs> well, I think all of this is about beating him in the election. It's they, not, they, they know he's not going to get removed. That's that's their, not the issue. They get their I doubts. Yeah. That, uh, I, I assume that Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and all those people are going to time what they do in the House to try to have maximum impact on the election. And I think what they want is is simply, and, and of course, the newspapers will oblige them with this. I mean, it's been shameful how newspapers like the New York Times and the Washington Post have just reported falsely uh, on this whole episode. And I think they just want to get as many headlines with the word impeachment in them as possible in hopes that they get a couple of percentage points in the election. I don't think they will. John, thank you. Good Lord, thank you very much. Your wonderful voice, wonderful mind, and uh, thank you so much. How's the center? Center of the American uh, Experiment. Just great, great, yeah. I'm doing one of the most fun things that I ever get to do, which is expand. I, I'm hiring two new policy great. fellows, and it's just uh, it's just too much fun. Great. Thank you, sir. Thank you, John Hinderocker. Thank you, Bill. Okay, yeah. bye. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Well, I have a few comments before John Hinderocker, and a couple after. Mm-hmm. Some kind of dementia here on the part of the Democrats. Seems I, I, I can't understand why they're doing this they, they can impeach him they can't remove him he mm-hmm. gets 67 votes in the senate best they'll have two or three romney maybe ben sass mm-hmm. maybe susan collins right murkowski but it's a long way from 67 
So to get a few points, they're not, I, I don't think this sells with the middle, with the moderates, does it? Oh, I think people are just, well, for one thing, just kind of they've had it with this whole right thing with collusion with the Russians and blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. At least I think so. If you're going to pick a you know, you shoot at a king, you must kill him, you know. You're going to pick a case, pick a stronger case. Sure going to rally his base. Right, absolutely. See how much money that raised. The Trump campaign has raised in the last just the last few days. Mm. Extraordinary. Yeah. Um, maybe they think the the fever swamps to the left get out here and, and give all sorts of money too. Again, I want to come back to what I was saying. It does force the hand of all the candidates too. Right. All uh, all the Democrat. But candidates. doesn't it put uh, Joe Biden in a weird situation? Terrible situation. Because I mean, not only does it keep his name in the in the story as well, but I mean, given the fact that he actually went after this prosecutor and said. He actually did what they are accusing the president, the president of doing. <laughs> right. Did it right out there in the open. And he can't get out of it. He can't get out of this if they keep pursuing Trump on this. You know, I think, too, there's another point that uh, almost an admission that their case is weak is this all this hearing that uh, went on with the director of national intelligence on process. And why didn't you send it over? Shell be transmitted to the Congress. Was there a cover-up? Here's the, you know, the whistleblower, blah, blah, blah. If you got the guy standing there with a smoking gun in his hand and mm-hmm. the body is down at his feet and he's got blood, you know, on him from the splatter, mm-hmm. you don't worry about phone records, right? you know, before and after mm-hmm. threatening, you know, and then saying, glad I got you. Yeah. Here he is on video. There, there it is. It's right there. There it is, yeah. you know. So I think they know they have a weak case, but they're somehow bound and determined to carry through on it anyway. And it's... And do you need six committees to investigate if you've got a... Especially when you know what answer they're all going to come up with. (laughs) Can we stipulate, as we say in the law, stipulate that these committees all come out the same way? Any thoughts you have, folks? Any reaction to this? Um, Let me give a counterexample. I was thinking while John was talking. Uh, Senator Menendez was having some trouble, New Jersey Senator in somewhere, Costa Rica or someplace. And there was a question of improper activity and him taking money from somebody and this affecting, you know, the conduct of an investigation. So supposing the Justice Department get went, gets wind of that and it looks like they're serious charges, should they look into it? Yeah, they should look into it. Mm-hmm. And they did, and they ended up clearing him. Well, under this scenario currently at present, I should say, if that's if you're Bob Menendez, what you should immediately do is declare yourself candidate for president. <laughs> so that you can say yeah. the the Department of Justice under this president is doing this for political gain and that's mm-hmm. an impeachable offense. Right. I mean, it's a very interesting point by Hindrocker. You mean the president can't talk to a head of a foreign nation about corruption, which might have something to do with the corruption of our election system? Of course he can. Mm -hmm. Chips fall where they may, and if the chips fall against the Democrat, then then that's impeachable? That's just crazy. All right, Claude, those are my thoughts. We will uh, stay tuned to be continued. We're here for you. Let Mm -hmm. us know what you want us to talk about. Thank you. This is Bill Bennett. 